Welcome to Holy Trinity Catholic Church from Beaverton, Oregon. Before I give, begin my homily proper, I just wanted to share you with you. Uh, Chris Storm, you may not know who he is, right? He gave me a sticker. Get ready. It says, being a pastor is easy. It's like riding a bike. Except the bike is on fire. You're on fire. Everything's on fire. Like, oh, yes, that's true. With the Holy Spirit. With the Holy Spirit on fire. Thank you, Mr. Storm. This weekend, we continue our Kerygma series, and we reflect on the third part entitled, Rescued. By way of reminder, Deacon Brett and I are framing each homily around questions to make them more accessible. So let's review. Created was the first one, and I asked the question, why is there something instead of nothing? Last week was captured, and Deacon Brett asked the question, why is the world so messed up? And today it's rescued. I'm asking the question, what is God doing about our mess? So last weekend, Deacon Brett eloquently shared how we are captured by many things and promises. And inevitably, they often end up as lies. As such, we find ourselves shackled to false gods, struggling with sin, which binds our hearts and minds. And we are ultimately unable to save ourselves with these, because of these evils. As you know, the one who desires our destruction the most is Satan, who has, from the beginning, been tempting us to believe that we are not enough. You remember that? Deacon Brett mentioned, that's one of those lies. You're not enough. And that God is holding out on you, like he's keeping a secret from us. Therefore, we continue to struggle with endless neediness. And sometimes we just flat out don't trust God. This is the bad news. Rather, I'd rather say actually the horrific news. For the consequences are just a bunch of wreckage and ultimately eternal death. But we must remember that this does not sum up the story of God nor ourselves. One of the problems we have trying to, as preachers, to communicate how great the good news is, is that many have bought into the lie that the powers of darkness and evil and death aren't so bad, actually. Therefore, the good news is then also mediocre. Like a response of like, meh, whatever. That's for somebody else. But there are many factors why this is the case. We then will sometimes underestimate or domesticate Satan, which in turn leads to underestimating and domesticating Jesus and the good news. It's like, it's okay news. The bad news isn't so bad. But for those who have experienced darkness, it is truly dark. And for those who have experienced the light, you know its brilliance. We must know this. That the darkness will never overcome the light. The darkness will never overcome the light. This is part of the good news. Because when we are in the darkness, we can barely imagine the light. But just to fill this out, doesn't it make us ponder about what's going on in our world? The mess that we're in. 
Doesn't take much to think when you just think of, like, Ukraine. What a mess. Or the consequences of pornography in marriages. How many families have been destroyed because of alcoholism? How many have felt isolated or hated due to the polarization that we experience in our world? How many young people have been harassed to the point where they feel they have nobody that they can trust? Evil tries to tempt us to believe that we are worthless and that the world would be better off if we just weren't here. Many of us have actually entertained that, that thought. How many spouses have been victims of infidelity which has torn asunder their marriage and their family? How many have been seduced by things like fentanyl or other psychotropic drugs which have enslaved them? For those who have experienced these things, they are truly hell. Hell on earth. Whatever their situation is, and whatever our situation is, we yearn and ache to be rescued from these horrors. Let me share just a simple example from my own life. When I was a seminarian, I took two seminarians on a Sunday to Abiquah Falls, which is southwest of Mount Angel Abbey. Upon getting there, you have to go through back roads and logging roads and such to a very remote location. It's not marked. As we arrived, I noticed that there were some pickups in a clearing and a trailer, a travel trailer, which immediately put me on unease. I'm like, there should be really nobody around here. So we parked, knowing that I was a little unease. I took, this is back in the 90s, so remember the club? You could lock your steering wheel. So I'm going to make sure that my car doesn't get stolen. So I locked it with a club, and then we went off and saw Abiquah Falls. Well, when we get back, we notice a pickup emerging from the woods with a bunch of men with rifles sitting in the back of the bed. And as they got closer and started talking to us and stopped, it was clear that they were all drunk. They then started to pester us, tease us, and scare us flat out. Earlier, we tried actually getting the cell phone out. That was early cell phone days, but... There was no way we could get a hold of anybody. And they really weren't trying to help us. In fact, I realized as we're there that I did not bring the key to my club. I just stranded us in the middle of nowhere. And on top of that, our, our friends, quote-unquote, are now a bunch of drunk people with guns. And they kindly and voluntarily offered to shoot the steering wheel free of the club. Yeah, it's funny now. <laughs> I was actually afraid for my life. See, I've never had an experience where people were drunk with guns before. And this is another level of being harassed. I've been bullied. I have been assaulted. I have never had people attack me or threaten me with a, a gun, a weapon like that. I was petrified. Out of nowhere, and this went on for about 20 minutes, you know, they were trying to be friendly, thinking they were all that, trying to messing with us. Out of nowhere, another car starts pulling in, uh, pulling into the area, heading out of the area. 
And there was a man with his two kids. I'm like, what? Are they part of this group? They were not. And so we stopped them as they approached our area, and I leaned into the, the car, and I said, please, you need to get us out of here. We're in trouble. These guys have weapons. They're drunk. They're not willing to help us. Please. Now, one of the guys that's with me, a seminarian, is Bill Dillard. You may or may not know him. He's about six foot a million in height. He's really tall, and just by himself, we're too crowded. It's like a clown car getting into this car. But we made it, and thank God we actually made it out of the area. My, I was so scared. Now, but my car was still back, in, back there. We couldn't do anything about that. So we got back to Mount Angel, and I went and looked for the biggest seminarians I could find <laughs> and the biggest vehicle we could find, and we tra- traversed, traversed back into the woods to get my car. And on my way in, there was a guy on his pickup with his rifle hanging out there. It's dark, by the way, with his lights on just waiting for a deer, which, by the way, is illegal. And all he can say to us is, you better be careful going back there. I'm like, oh, dear God, please help us. I was so scared, but I'm like, well, we don't outnumber them, but we'll just see where this goes. I need to get my car. So we get there. They toy with us. I don't talk to anybody. I unlock my club, and we get the H-E double toothpicks out of there. And I am so happy at this moment. I was giddy, like... My heart had been pounding all this time, and I was rescued by a man with his kids taking a Sunday drive through the woods of all places. Like, what is the, what's the probability of that? I have no idea. But our prayers were answered. Have you ever been in a situation where you were scared to death? I mean, literally, your life is online. Or you had an experience where you maybe were driving and then just... You just near missed a fatal, potential fatal accident. You know what that's like when your adrenaline is rushing and you're just panicked. Have you ever felt yourself captured by a situation where you were absolutely afraid? Have you ever been in a situation or are currently in a situation where your sin and the consequences of the sins are crushing you? Know this. Jesus sees you. He knows you, and he knows what you're going through. He is not ambivalent to your situation. He wants to save and rescue you from whatever pit you have found yourself in. If you've come to this church today and you are in a pit, he wants to rescue you. And he can. How can we know this? simply because we know that God became human and that he experienced the same thing you have. He was mocked. He was lied to. He was betrayed. He felt abandoned. He felt like he was a failure. And he also wished that his suffering would pass him by. Remember that? He swept blood. He was so worried. But you see, while he experienced all that it was to be human, which puts us in a communion with him and him with us, he also then chose to pull humanity with him through all these sufferings in order to heal them. That's right. Through our sufferings, we are healed through him because he wants to rescue us. We need a savior and he's the one. So when we surrender ourselves to this Savior, Jesus, 
He can change hearts and lives. We just saw that here when we had over 400 people for our communal reconciliation service. 400 plus people, all sinners, walking in our church doors and 400 plus saints walking out. The radicality of the good news is that we no longer have to carry the load by ourselves, for he will do it with us. He is the one that can change our hearts. He is the one that can forgive us, even when we think it's unforgivable. And he's the one that can heal us from all those things that cause us harm. You do not have to do this alone. You may feel alone this very day. But in fact, he's made you so that you would not be alone. And he wants to carry you and share the yoke. Share the burden. Remember, Jesus has no rival. We're not talking about like this is a battle between Satan, who is very powerful, but Satan clearly in the, in the scriptures is no competitor to Jesus. He has no rival, and he is not worried. Isn't that amazing to think about? I mean, I'm always worried. How about you? I'm worried about a lot of things. Let it go, Bill. Surrender yourself, right? The surrender novena. Oh, Jesus, I surrender myself to you. Take care of everything. See, he's defeated Satan and his minions, as strong as they may be. But he does so very simply because he is God. And so he can free you from your shackles. He can rescue you. So knowing this, surrender yourself. Allow him to rescue you. Allow him to save you. And let us rejoice in the Lord always. Gaudete, as we hear again, as part of what our Sunday is today. Gaudete Sunday. We have reason to give thanks to God for the marvelous things he has done for us. That he's won for us. That he's rescued us. That he wants to share this prize of salvation, which is awesome. Literally, it is awe-filling. He wants to transform us into his likeness, like we were from the beginning, that our sin has marred since. For through him, we, the blind, can regain our sight. The lame can walk. The sick can be healed. The deaf can hear. The dead can be raised. And the poor can have the greatest news proclaimed to them. You and I are agents of that great news. You and I are to be rescued. Let him do it. Be rescued. Thank you for joining us. You can learn more on our parish website at h-t.org. We hope that you will subscribe to our YouTube channel or try and join us for Mass if you're local. Again, all the information will be on h-t.org.